but he was so convincing about how much he loved me and our future we were creating and talking about engagement and marriage and the house he was building for us and pulling in the families and the parents. And I so I leaned into all of that instead of really listening to this gnawing feeling that something was off and allowed myself to be talked out of my own knowing. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. When I first started my recovery 11 years ago, I struggled through the textbook-like material on the subject. I wanted to make the addiction and the recovery from it accessible and relatable to more people by telling it in an entertaining way. Well, I'm super excited to announce I've released my first book, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict. If I can help just one person find a solution or at least realize they're not broken or alone, then writing this has been worth it. You can pick up the book exclusively at Amazon or signed copy at secretlifenovel.com. And the best way to support our podcast is to subscribe and share. If you haven't left a review or rating on Apple Podcasts yet, please do. It'll help more people find our show. And if you want to be a guest, shoot me a note at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gan. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves and others. You know, those deep, dark secrets we probably want to go to our grave with, or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing. Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. My guest today is Chloe. Now, Chloe, I have a question for you. Dun, dun, dun. What is your secret? You know, I guess we'll get into what this means, but, and this wasn't apparent to me at first, but I was in a relationship with an unavailable person for years. That's my secret. So how many years are we talking? Oh, gosh. It's hard (laughs) to say because... It has different parts. So um, off and on, and I'll I'll explain all of it to you, but probably, I would say probably about eight to 10 years, but it wasn't all at once. And I'll explain what that means. Okay. So a decade, this has been going on a decade of your life that you were with this person. Okay. Mm -hmm. So tell us more. Okay. So, you know, the beginning of our relationship, there was love, there was romance, there was talking about this future that we were building together, meeting each other's families, family vacations, you know, all of that. And after being in this relationship that I thought was headed towards this, you know, future, I ended up finding out that there was someone else that he was still involved with. Really? And wait, how, how, when did you find that out? How long were you guys together? I mean, probably, I would say about three or four months. So this courtship, like it was intense. It seems like that first three or four months, right? Did you like say, I love you and you made all these plans. So it was very intense. Okay. Yeah. And literally like we had already been on a family vacation, you know, it was like, we're together. Okay. It wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, okay, we're just dating, but well, already by that point, because, you know, you really, if you're dating and it's a couple months in, you kind of, ha- you kind of know this is someone oh, I want to yeah. be with or someone I don't. And so we had gotten to that point and 
then he kind of drops this bomb on me. And what happened is because we had already built up to that point, um, I was already invested. And so what I started doing was like, okay, well, you're being honest. All right. And he made it, he kind of presented it like it's something that he's ending, you know, and he wants to be with me and he's going to end this. And so, okay. I said, all right, so you're going to end it. We're going to be together. Well, what ended up happening instead is this went on for probably another year and a half or so. And I finally, during that time, I was dating other people. Uh And, um, but then I finally said, okay, you know what? You're not really stepping up. So let's end this. If you're not really available, I can't do this. So I ended it. And I ended up having a long-term relationship with someone else, which lasted, it was a very long-term relationship. Like how long? um, It was four to five years. So you are you are actually someone that loves long term relationships. I'm yes. I do too. Like I'm not a serial dater. I love long term relationships. Yes, yeah. And so I said, okay, you know what? This I'm ending this and I'm moving on. So I got into another relationship. So what ended up happening is that relationship ended, and this person came around again and mm-hmm. said, oh my God, you know, losing you is the biggest mistake of my life. I acted so badly. I realized I really screwed up. Let's he just buttered you up, didn't he? Yeah. He just dropped all the things you wanted to hear. Yeah, <laughs> let's make this work. Let's do this. And I said, okay, great. After all this time, like the timing wasn't right. This time we're going to do this. We're going to be together. And I was just so happy that we finally had this committed monogamous relationship. We're together. So we were seriously dating. We started seeing each other three to four times a week, spending weekends together, but all under the auspices that all right, we're really doing it this time. Right. Like I you both it, matured, you, yes. you're, you're ready to commit. He was ready. You were yeah. ready. You, exactly. you forgave him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why do I yeah. feel like this shoe is about to drop <laughs> for some <laughs> reason? <laughs> well, just wait. So, you know, I'm thinking, oh, this is super healthy. You know, we're not enmeshed. I'm pursuing professional and personal goals. And so is he. And we're on this great track. Well, so that's about nine months into this. Mm-hmm. And I end up going into the bathroom one night and I notice a makeup remover pad in the trash can <gasps> that was not mine. Did and it have like makeup on it? Yes. Oh. And I felt my stomach drop to the floor. I was speechless and I asked him about it. And of course, you know, just denied anything wrong, told me some story. We ended up breaking up for a couple of weeks. Wait, what was the story he told you that it just magically appeared in the trash can? I mean, it was some gaslighting kind of story. And I just, you know, all I remember is that he denied it and we ended up breaking up. Mm-hmm. And then within a couple of weeks, he came clean, admitted to have cheated, profusely apologized. You know, it's this one-time thing, promised things were going to be different. And from my you know, perspective, I thought, okay, he's apologized. He's come clean. He wants to do better. We're moving forward. And that was a big mistake because... What I didn't know at the time is that this was a chronic pattern. It wasn't one instance. It was something that was going on and would continue to go on. But at the time, I didn't realize it. I didn't see it. It was hidden really well. And basically, it's kind of like a Groundhog Day because that same exact thing happened almost a year later where I found another clue of infidelity. And? And 
uh, you know, and looking back now, there's kind of like, I see there are little hints that I didn't fully see. Like I remember one time going away on a business trip for a few days and I remember he kind of disappeared and wasn't being responsive. But then he would be like, oh my God, baby, darling, I'm so sorry. You know, I've just been caught up on this project. I haven't been looking at the phone. Ah! You know, and I would I've have- n- to- I've never used that lie myself, <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah, just and it so was you like- know, people that are listening, everybody always looks at their phone. It's uh, attached to them. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And so, and it would be like, okay, well, that doesn't seem right. It doesn't, but okay, that's what he's saying. And then of course I'd come home and there would be this bouquet of flowers and this amazing meal. And, and so my own knowing would just kind of be, I would talk myself out of my own knowing. And there's just, I mean, we could be here for a long time and I would talk about all the different stories and clues, but looking back now, um, uh, there was gaslighting, there was lying, there mm-hmm. was betrayal, there was deception, and they were so well hidden that I didn't see it for so long. But I would say, when I look back at it, that probably the number one thing that happened for me, being involved in this kind of a dynamic, is it kind of starts to chip away at your own knowing because yeah. you're being talked out of it. Yeah, I think that's the worst when you're involved with the cheater, me being a cheater, that I would literally drive the other person crazy. Yes. Because I could manipulate and finagle my way out of it. And and I that's like the the most shame I felt was how much I drove another person crazy with my own insanity. Yeah. I definitely felt crazy for sure. And it was, like I said, it's like stepping back now and seeing everything and putting things together after years of work and therapy, you know, things are more clear now, but he was so convincing about how much he loved me and our future we were creating and talking about engagement and marriage and the house he was building for us and pulling in the families and the parents. And I, so I leaned into all of that instead of really listening to this gnawing feeling that something was off and allowed myself to be talked out of my own knowing. And that idea of hope, it can kind of actually be a dangerous thing in this kind of a relationship because- It's that hope, that fantasy that you want to happen. Yeah, it's the hope like, okay, things are going to change and things, this, what we're creating together is still happening. And, you know, love is enough to fix all of this. Ah! And ah! sorry, that's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I'm sorry, and- that's so funny. I love that. Wait, I do want to ask you, I keep thinking this while you're talking. So you kept this secret kind of from yourself. Did you keep it from other people in your life too? Um, well, no. I mean, I had close friends, you know, and I would talk to you about it. And the funny thing, I don't know if it's funny, but the dynamic that was going on in my relationship, I mean, my partner, the things he did for me, he actually loved me. He did. But he was only, he had the capacity to love me the way that he did. And I never, I tried to never vilify him and keep the focus on myself. Well, that's but, great. I mean, yeah. I can say too, from my experience, it's not that I didn't ever love the guys I was with. It, I didn't know how to be 
monogamous. I didn't yes. know. I didn't have the tools. I didn't, I wasn't taught that from my parents. So it was yes. impossible for me to have both feet in a relationship because I was terrified. Right. I was scared of being abandoned. I was scared of getting hurt. So I do know that. And I'm glad that you're focusing more on you than yeah. him. Yeah, because I mean, it's easy to point the finger and say, you did this, you did that, 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 and that really doesn't help anybody. It's more about understanding what was going on and making healthy decisions. But to, to answer what you were saying about other people, so I would confide in people about what was going on and they literally, like so many of my close friends would be like, but he really loves you and, you know, look at all the things he's doing and I think that really, you know, oh, I yeah. thought you were going to say the opposite. I thought you were going to be like, "What are you being with him?" And no, blah, blah, blah. I, and that's the thing. It's like, the, <laughs> like everybody was gaslit, you know, because he was a smooth, smooth. Yeah, and that's the thing that is really hard to try and explain. Like someone who hasn't been in the situation probably wouldn't understand um, all the dynamics that go into it, you know. And and then looking at my side and the stuff that I brought in things that we think are positive qualities, you know, like empathy and compassion. Mm -hmm. So here I am like, okay, well, I'm a loving, caring, forgiving person. And, you know, how can we work on this? And how can we get past this when really, it really wasn't my issue. It was something that he needed to look at and work on. And that cliche, love is not enough. Like, it doesn't matter how much empathy, love, caring, forgiveness, I was not going to fix him or have him become someone who was capable and available in the kind of love that, you know, he was presenting and saying he wanted. So No, it's impossible. You cannot fix another person. You cannot make them love you enough. There is nothing you can do when someone is in that space. But I do like how you said you were looking at yourself because it does take two people for that dynamic because you absolutely you, you your empathy, your compassion almost was a negative in a sense. Is that what you're saying? Well, yes, because what ended up happening is um, the incongruence, you know, between someone saying, I love you, you're the love of my life and all of the rest and over and over and over and over, yet acting in very unloving ways, it was like not being able to really comprehend the severity of that incongruence and be like, okay, wait a minute this doesn't go together. These two things don't go together, right? Right, right. And your brain could not do that. It just could not allow you to see the reality clearly. That's right. That's right. Well, I have, so going through this whole experience, um, I see it as a positive that it drove me to have to do a lot of learning a lot of education, a lot of therapy to really understand the psychological and physiological things that were happening to me to try and make sense of the whole situation. And so I'm able to now see that, you know, because of my love for this person and because of this hope for this future, that there was so much manipulation. And like you said, whether it was 
completely intentional or partially based on, you know, his own family of origin mechanisms and all of that Mm -hmm. stuff that whatever that is in him, but nevertheless, we can call it manipulative and drawing me in and hooking me in. And I came to understand that that whole pattern that we went through. So it's so bizarre, but what happens is that it actually strengthened my emotional bond with him because it was this like this topsy-turvy thing that had me actually become more emotionally connected, which sounds completely counterintuitive, but this yeah, is what a, this my is, mouth is a jar right now. Well, I don't, know if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever heard the word trauma bond. Totally. Yes. But, that may, I understand, but yeah, please explain. But more. that's, so what I came to learn is that our psychology Our physiology, it's almost like this primal survival thing that happens when the person who's supposed to love you, respect you, protect you, becomes the one who ends up hurting you. And it's this bizarre primal thing where, first of all, there's this unbelievable confusion where your brain is like spun out, which is called cognitive dissonance, Mm -hmm. where your partner says, I love you. You're the love of my life. We're together. We're creating all this. And then all these behaviors flying in the face, it makes the system actually become more bonded because it's like you get all of the, okay, here's all the goodness. Here's all the good things. Here's all the love. Here's all of this. Let's, we're doing this. But then you, there's this other thing and your brain's going, wait a minute, what? this can't be true. This can't be possible. And it's like your brain gets overloaded and short-circuited. Mm-hmm. You're trying to figure out this confusing pattern, which had me, I literally felt paralyzed and trying to bring it back to, to what I thought it was. And I, I came to understand that's what a trauma bond is. See, I never would have placed that together because for me, my experience in that kind of dynamic is it's always one person trying to prove like, I'm enough. Please love me enough. I can change you. And the other person playing that push-pull game of being available than unavailable, but truly just being unavailable. And then when you look at it, both people are actually unavailable because one's trying to prove to the other that they're lovable enough. And it's just this crazy dynamic. So I love that you said that. But before we get into like who it harmed and stuff, I always like to look at these kind of secrets, secrets we have, you know, to ourselves, the seven deadly sins, more in the character defect sense, not in the religious sense. So let me name them for you because before we get into you healing from this, I really want to know where these secrets attached. Sure. So we've got pride, greed, lust, gluttony, envy, anger, and sloth. Okay. Envy, anger, and sloth, you said? Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're asking which ones I relate to? Yeah. Which ones in like keeping the secret from yourself do those connect with? And keeping the secret from myself. Yeah. Because you kept like being gaslit and you kept not trusting your instincts. Like, did your pride come into play? Did yeah. Your- I mean, I... Yeah, I think how I relate it to pride is, I mean, I think I've kind of said a couple of different ways. It was almost as if I felt like through my sheer force of will that that was somehow going to be enough to save our relationship. Like, right. you know, if I just love you enough, if I just forgive you enough, and that's, again, that goes along with pride, that will that somehow I'm that all powerful and almighty 
that, you know, I'm going to be able to help us fix this. And it doesn't work that way. (laughs) You know, that also when you're saying that the word that I always attach to pride is that ego, like your ego thinks you're like this, like you said, this powerful being that can make this man love you. Yes. Yes. And then the other thing that I think too is probably ties into the lust, which which ties into the whole thing I was just talking about with the psychological and the physiological, the primal part of it. I think that ties into lust because another thing that happens is it's this weird chemical thing with the dopamine, the serotonin, Mm -hmm. the oxytocin mixed with the love, it becomes this chemical reaction that keeps us bonded. So Mm -hmm. I think that lust part too is a part of it as well. Yeah, I agree because it's like the breakup, the get back together, the breakup, there's this this high that happens in low and it's like your body is trying to balance these chemicals. Yes. Yeah, that's for sure. So I would say probably those two the most out of all of those. I love those are those I completely agree with. And we were talking about how this benefited you, but also how did it harm you? Let's like you were starting on the benefit. So if you have any, I would love to hear that. Yeah, well, we'll have a few more pieces just to say in terms of like the things that where I was harmed, Mm -hmm. Um, just to help people, anyone who is experiencing this, I want to give a voice and a name to the experience. And, And what I've learned is that being on the other end of this kind of dynamic causes something called betrayal trauma, which is something I never had heard about. I didn't even know what it was. Never. I've never heard of that. Okay, well, I came to learn that that's actually very similar to PTSD. And so if you're in a situation like this, this is what I experienced. If you can relate to feeling stuck, unable to think or focus, feeling crazy, feeling unsafe, having sleeplessness, fatigue, anxiety, depression, uncontrollable crying, overeating or undereating, panic, physical shaking, hypervigilance, feeling shame. I came to realize that all of those symptoms were incredibly normal reactions to having my reality as I knew it be completely shattered by learning that this person that I loved had behaved in such devastating ways. So that's betrayal trauma. And moving into my recovery, I really started this long road to recovery and moving out of that devastation. A combination is, as I said, of educating myself, learning about this stuff, betrayal trauma, and and learning about narcissistic and sex addiction characteristics in a partner, learning about my love addiction that showed up. Right. Learning about building a good support system with family and friends and getting into regular therapy with a therapist who could really support my process of healing, looking at family of origin work, anything I learned about love and relationship that set me up to really be susceptible to this kind of dynamic. I went through an incredible grieving process, really acknowledging the reality of what happened to me, grieving the loss. I even did something called EMDR. Mm-hmm. which is a kind of therapy that helps your brain to process stored trauma to help the healing process. Um, I got into a weekly group of people who met to talk about these similar kinds of issues, to really talk collectively about what does it mean to create healthy love and relationship built on authenticity and honesty and healthy boundaries. 
and sharing it all without shame, you know? Listen, I praise you for doing all that work because you just talking about it right now is making me exhausted. (laughs) It was exhausting. (laughs) But here's what I want to ask you. And I just, I know you said if someone out there is going through this, you're not alone, but what would be the main advice you would give someone? Because all that stuff you said is so important, but taking that first step what would your advice be for someone that's finding themselves in the same exact situation and pattern? I mean, I guess I would go back to the thing that I said that I really first realized was the thing about your own knowing. Mm. You know, start to listen to your own knowing and start to put yourself first. So I'm talking about developing self-love, self-compassion, really starting to practice mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual self-care and well-beings by honoring your feelings, by honoring your needs, by taking care of yourself in a way maybe no one ever has, like being your own best friend, your own, you know, parent, so to speak, like you're actually reparenting yourself through this process and starting to take steps towards that, even if it's just baby steps. I love that. I mean, I I think the most important thing, and I've always told people, is trust yourself. As women, I don't think, and men too, we don't trust our instincts. And I think starting there, when something, you feel something's wrong, it probably is. Yeah, Absolutely. And I think the other thing too is choose resilience. Mm. You know, if you're going through challenge, if you're going through something that feels devastating, choose to have resilience, you know, practice seeing what's happening as a growth opportunity. How will this help me to grow? How can I get through this in a way? What am I going to learn on the other side? Yeah. How am I you know, really um, practicing honoring what I'm going through, but knowing it's not going to last forever. I'm going to get through it. I'm learning healthy boundaries. I'm practicing healthy communication. I'm removing any thinking of being a victim and instead seeing this as a really necessary path to healing and wholeness. That is, I mean, I'm going to stop you there because that's beautiful because anytime I've emotionally gone through something, like it feels like a death Yes. But on the other side, there's always a beautiful reality that happens. It's the most painful, but it's the most rewarding on the other side. Yes. Yes. The process of change, it can be challenging. And you're right. I like what you're saying about this metaphor of death because some of the old ways of showing up, the old parts of our identities need to literally die and fall away. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Die, you old self. Die. Yes. (laughs) Become, yeah, a better, stronger, wholer person. And you know what? And it just makes us into the person who we are today. All of those experiences make us the full, complete, whole person that we are today. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your secret and your story. I appreciate it. Thank you, Brianne. Thank you so much. (laughs) And if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you'd like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon. Thank you.